Welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week we're talking to Tung, and I actually went and looked up how to say your name, so I'm probably going to butcher it anyway. But uh, YouTube has a pronunciation video that uh, they, they said it's Gwen. Yeah, you got it. Get out. I didn't know there was a video out there. <laughs> yeah, it, I typed in your last name, and then I typed in, how the heck do I say this? And yeah, there was a YouTube video. So um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and that way everybody can be as smart as I am, I guess. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. But yeah, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this we usually talk to people who have been on Ruby Rogues, not always, but usually. And um, you were on episode 399 talking about jets. Right. Um, Go ahead. But yeah, it looks like you're also the founder of BoltOps, which is uh, AWS cloud infrastructure consultancy. And what else do you have going on? Uh, that's the main thing I do right now. I'm just focused on BoltOps and trying to get that running and everything. I've been doing it for about a year and a half. Uh, what other, well, other things I do, uh, take care of my three kids, uh, and then I work. That's <laughs> the two things in my life right now. So uh, pretty much I just kind of stay home and, and, and work, uh, pretty much all the time. Yeah. Uh, I work on a bunch of other open source projects, uh, jets. Uh, I talked about that in the last podcast with you. Uh, I also have a couple other projects too, but I think because they're in the infrastructure space, they're relatively pretty, uh, unknown and small. Still, uh, I think it's just maybe a smaller developer community. Um, but uh, yeah, so I do a lot of stuff there and uh, I do a lot of Ruby. Uh, all the tools are actually written in Ruby. Uh, that's a, a funny a note probably. Very cool. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that. Um, I'm looking at uh, pulling together a DevOps infrastructure show. Um, I'm actually currently, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm currently in talks with uh, an ongoing show, a show that's been around for several years that talks about DevOps. Um, about bringing them into de uh, devchat.tv and getting them to pr produce a little more regularly. So maybe maybe that's a good fit for those. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just got off the call with uh, our brand new uh, sustainability, open source sustainability podcast. So Okay. So that'd wow, be interesting. Like, you're running a couple of things. That. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so anyway, uh, this is a show about you, not about what I'm doing. But yeah, I'd love to get you on and talk a little bit more about the infrastructure stuff, I guess is what I'm diving, uh, driving at there. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get into your story and kind of find out where you're from and what you're about. Um, how did you get into programming? Sure. So uh, when um, I asked this question, I thought back, okay, how far back can I go? But I guess I'll go back to college. Um, but I was actually an electrical engineer major. So I was pretty stereotypical. We're brothers, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah, right on. Oh, I didn't know you were EE also. Uh, yeah, I switched at my 
senior year to computer engineering, but I still spent all my time in the EE offices. Yeah, in the labs, doing like the circuit board design and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. At the time, especially when like the CS classes that teach in college, and I think they're better now, but at least back when I went to college, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, I woke up this morning, I like had some back pains. So I was like, oh yeah, a reminder that I'm owed. Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning 40 this year. And yeah, that's, that's a slap in the face every other week, right? Big 4-0, man. You got to do something <laughs> big. Uh, that, that's, yeah, I just had a couple of friends who turned 4-0 and we went and watched the Circus Lay show and all that. It was actually really fun, um, you know, um, but yes, a uh, reminder. Anyway, so back to college, uh, EE was my thing. Uh, I did actually uh, like one CS class or maybe two. It was assembly and C because it was like a, a prerequisite. Yeah, you, you have to do that. And yep. let's put like EE in context here. Like you don't have a choice but to be a nerd, okay? Because most like, <laughs> engineering programs or no, most college programs, they have like uh, at least back then it was like 180, uh, 180 units or credits in order to uh -huh. graduate, right? And yep. like, I remember looking at the other majors, like, you know, non-engineer majors, and you have to get like 90 credits within your major scope or within oh, yeah. your area of study in order to graduate. Then like 90 were like free, like you basically just whatever you wanted. And the electrical engineering, it was 160. There was like 20 unit, units where you're just like, uh, okay, I'm not going to be very well balanced as an individual. So yeah, that's all I did. I used to spend a lot of time lab because when I did, um, I guess uh, C and assembly back then, I, I did decent at in those classes, but they didn't actually like, it was just like a little too low level for me. I mean, I enjoyed it, I did well, but it was just too low level. I wish they taught scripting classes actually uh, back in college, because then I would probably like, you know, realize that a little sooner. So anyway, yeah. so I did the whole thing. I suffered for four years as an electrical engineer, and then you I went and got four jobs. Years? I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> And then, uh, then uh, I went and got a job as an electrical engineering intern. So I, I managed to suffer another, like, this is a common theme in my life. I like to put myself in situations of suffering. Um, <laughs> I think that's just a skill that you have to have as an engineer, maybe. You uh, do have I, kids. Oh, I have kids too. Yeah, see? I told you I have a really yeah, good skill. Them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I tell my wife, like, here's, here's what you do as an engineer. You walk into, like, work, and you're like, okay, here's a problem you've never solved before good luck, right? Over and over and over and over. It's exhausting, right? So you have yep. to be a bit of a masochist. So, uh, and then, um, so, and now I'm, I mean, I'm trying to run this business. So uh, yeah, just let's keep bringing on. But um, anyway, <laughs> so, and, uh, and let's see, after college, I did EE for a couple of years. And I remember the, this is gonna be a funny story. So if the first week on the job, I went to the sushi restaurant. I was like to go sushi. Cause I was, I was like, I have to get back to work. So I'm just gonna pick up something quickly. And I looked around when I was standing in line. I saw like flies kind of flying around. So that's usually a bad indication of fresh sushi mm -hmm. uh, at a restaurant. And then uh, while I was looking around, I saw these other guys who were kind of in like a little older uh, and gla with glasses. And back in Silicon Valley, they were like a lot of khakis and they were like buttoning mm -hmm. up kind of color shirts. Uh, they were uh, had slightly gray hair. They're wearing like penny loafers. Uh, they didn't have pocket protectors, but my mind was like projecting that. I was like, okay, I see what I did here. Week into like basically four years of studying, then one week of like, you know, electrical engineering, like a real job. I was like, oh, this is what I put myself into. What did I do, right? So it took me like two and a half years because I actually grew up uh, relatively pretty poor. So uh, it took me two and a half years to save some money. And then I was like, okay, uh, I, you know, I, I like EE. I like electrical engineering. Actually, it was actually pretty cool. 
uh, you know, um, but I was like, I, I feel like I, I can do something else. And then I started going to these things uh, called bookstores back in the day. Uh, they existed. <laughs> uh, I believe it was called Barnes and Nobles. Uh, yeah, so, they still have I, one out here. It's half coffee shop now. Oh, really? They're still yeah. around. I didn't know that. The, the one that I used to live by is like closed down. So I was pretty bummed out about that. Yeah. yeah. It's a different world now. Uh, so yeah, we drive down the road and it's like, you remember when that was a Borders? <laughs> yes. When that one was a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the two I used to like hang out all the time at. So I continued my nerdenhood even after college. And I went to like, uh, I guess, uh, bookstores and I started reading books about web programming because this, this thing came about called the internet. I was like, huh, I, I wonder if I could do something with that. Right. Uh, so I went to the bookstore and I, all the books there at the time, the Barnes and Nobles, I remember was all PHP and MySQL. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, so I guess I had to learn PHP and MySQL. So I learned a little bit and no offense, I got PHP friends, but I was like, ah, uh, not for me. Uh, I, just, I feel like this is like, it's just too messy. All in the HTML, all that con, all one right. page is all spaghetti kind of. Uh, and you know, you can write clean PHP too. But so uh, instead, after reading books for like three months or so, I was like, hmm, I picked up this book from Larry Wall, uh, Pearl. So mm -hmm. my first kind of foray into like uh, programming, uh, like more kind of seriously, uh, aside from those classes in college were uh, actually Pearl. So I, I, I taught, taught myself a lot of Pearl. It's a very expressive language. There's a joke in the Pearl world. Write only code. You can write it, but you can't read it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I did a lot of writing of Pearl. Uh, and then uh, I actually learned object oriented Pearl. Uh, and so that's an oxymoron within itself. Because <laughs> it gets a little tangly. Uh, and, but you learn like concepts like closure and all that kind of stuff with Pearl. I learned some JavaScript a little bit there. And, you know, I learned closure through that too. Then I basically uh, start, uh, saved some money at that point. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go build. Uh, I saw this other site at the time called Ben's Bargain. It was like a hot deal site. I was like, hey, that college student is making money, you know, making hot deals. I'm into hot deals. I don't know. I'll make a hot deal site. You know, this is me in like early 20s, like, you know, right. ideas. So uh, I saved up uh, a lot of money. Uh, for me back then, it was a lot, a decent amount of money. It was like a and then uh, basically, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my, my job, and I'm going to go uh, work on these sites, uh, this, this hot deal site. So I did that for, uh, like, nonstop, basically, uh, in uh, the room that rents out for, like, I don't know, nine months or so. And then uh, I realized that quickly, uh, when you don't have a job, your money runs out. <laughs> so I was like, oh, bummer, I'm out of money. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, I'm cool. I can always go get back an EE job again. Well, I enjoy that. Right. But I'm like, I've been learning like all these like programming stuff. Oh, and then, oh, near the end of that time, what happened was, okay, this is how I got into Ruby. Near the end of the time, I was like, okay, this Perl is great. I like it a little bit, enjoy it a little more than PHP, but I feel like it's starting to get a little tangly. Uh, I feel like I can do something better. So I started researching to other kind of scripting languages at the time. Like, mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, I've been doing this for a couple of months. I think I kind of understand it a little bit better now. So I started looking and there were two choices at the time for me. There was Python. Number one, and I ran the Python. It's like, oh, this is like a lot cleaner. I can actually read the code. Uh, and then, um, and then I saw DHH's uh, blog video, the blog in 15 minutes. And I was like, Whoops. okay, done decision. I'm going to use something called Ruby. It doesn't seem like there's as much information on it, but I saw this video, and that's you know, uh, I guess um, video-driven uh, development. It's like you see some video, then you go just yeah. go do it. Uh, so uh, that's when I, I basically sat, I sat there like literally for like a couple hours going, yeah, I'm not going to really 
I just spent like three months writing this in like Kerr or whatever. And am I going to really sit here and rewrite this thing in this other language? Like, and I'm running out of money. What should I do? I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it. So like a week later, I rewrote the whole thing in, in Ruby and Rails. Uh, and that was 0.2 days. Maybe oh, zero. Wow. It was pretty early on. Exactly. Yeah. It was like way uh, at the beginning. Okay. And then I ran out of money and I was like, okay, let's go get a job as EE. But you know what? Maybe I could actually like, make a living coding, you know, maybe I, maybe I should try that. So then I uh, started going to those job boards and looking for like, you know, jobs. And I was like, okay, I just have to tailor my resume to that job description. That's, that's how I'm going to get in. Right. And so I did that and uh, uh, I emailed out for about a week. And one of the people I emailed was a company called obvious <laughs> pre Twitter days. Mm -hmm. And I got a reply from my, actually uh, is in my email box. still was pretty hilarious. I kind of ran to it a couple years later when I was going through my inbox. I'm like, wait a minute, is that Jack Dorsey? I'm like, oh yeah, he replied to me. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, that's kind of cool that he actually was responding at that point in time <laughs> to like engineering yep. hires. That was way back, right? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, basically week until I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And then I re some recruiter reached out to me and she's like, hey, there's like a couple positions out here in, in San Francisco. Why don't you come out and we'll talk? So I think it was like that Tuesday morning or Monday morning, I went out and talked to her. She sent me out in person that afternoon and I got offered that night. So all in one day, that kind of span. And that's basically what started my kind of career in programming. And I was doing Rails, that kind of small startup. Uh, so I did a lot of coding there for about uh, nine months. And then eventually uh, my boss actually, uh, he got, he was one of the big reasons I was working that company. He got funding. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's just like, hey, Tom, I got funding. I have money now. So I'm gonna move back to Toronto. I don't need you anymore. I'm like, what? He didn't say that, but that's why I heard in my mind. So I was like, okay, dude, dude, I'm gonna miss you, right? So I was like super bummed out. And then, then basically uh, that's when I started looking around. Uh, and then uh, I started looking around and it was actually like, uh, trying to keep at least within some type of same time frame here. But uh, eventually right. uh, I, I kept, uh, I uh, ran into the Bleach Report founders and, uh, and basically that was like my main job, actually only really two program jobs. So I'm not like most of the engineers that jump from job to job. I was actually right. Bleach Report for nine years, nine, oh, wow. years, almost 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost 10 years. I was employee number one. Uh, Bleach Report was a, a, a very small, uh, relatively unknown, obscure site at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. And we kind of grew it from series A, series B. Uh, became a second largest right. site in its kind of category uh, in Ruby and Rails. Uh, basically, went from back end to uh, to uh, daily front end to daily QA, hire a guy really quickly, uh, and then did uh, eventually uh, because nobody else wanted to infrastructure work. <laughs> so yeah. basically, I've got kind of had that a lot of experiences, and I think that's one of the things people miss. If like you jump from job job, you kind of never get your feet kind of embedded enough to actually learn how to build something right. like a, a certain like uh, levels, right? So uh, I really kind of that experience, I think, kind of defined who I am because because of that, I like I do uh, I've appreciating I feel like at least I try to appreciate both like the back end stuff, the front end stuff, the QA stuff and also like the infrastructure stuff, because if you do your systems a certain way and kind of glue all together, it saves all these other areas of the team a lot of time. Right. Versus kind right. of working these separate, separate uh, kind of uh, separate departments. Uh, but yeah, so uh you asked the question, how I got into Ruby? Hopefully that answers it. <laughs> yeah. Long line answer. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, some of this is, is somewhat similar to my story, you know, and yeah, all the EE jokes and stuff. But uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I got into Ruby on Rails because I was trying to solve a problem um, running a tech support team. But before that, I had done all the infrastructure stuff. I, I worked at the university, worked my way through the university, basically um, working in the, the operation center that was attached to the data center. And then moving up to um, actually setting up servers for the university. And so a lot of this infrastructure stuff has changed a lot. But at the same time, you know, I have a certain level of appreciation for it, having, you know, gone through, uh, you know, some of this process. Um, I, I'm a little bit curious then. Um, it seems like a lot of people when they move from like one category of things to another, it's because they, I, I don't want to say they got bored with what they were doing before, but there's some novelty to what they're doing now. And so they move into it that way. And for other people, it's just, for whatever reason, the other thing just kind of seems to fit better. I'm, I'm a little curious, you know, as you moved along from um, uh, EE to Perl to Ruby to infrastructure, you know, were those moves more or less uh, driven by, oh, this is really interesting, I want to learn more about it? Or was it, you know what, this other thing is kind of, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of mastered this over here and I want to keep moving. So I feel like it wasn't like a, a selection. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't something like, okay, let me sit down, you know, and pontificate and see, realize, okay, this is where I kind of blew my career. Right. To. Uh, I, I wish I could say I, I was more like kind of forward thinking like that, but no, I, I think it was more out of necessity, out of need, right? Whether it's the need for what I was trying to accomplish or whether it's the need of the business or the company, right? right. So when I moved from Pearl to like Ruby, Right. I was like, uh, I was looking at the, my protocol. I was like, oh, yeah, I understand why the joke says this write only code now. Right. Like, right. I can't even read my own code. Right. How do I expect other people to read this code? Right. And mm -hmm. there is probably, you know, good Perl programmers out there too. Like, write like solid Perl on that. But like, I, I, I don't think I was like, good enough to be one of them. Right. And then, uh, so then what, that's why I started looking at Python, like Ruby and like Python's like their model is like there's only one way of doing things. Right. Yep. Uh, which is like, which is cool. But at the same time, like, I feel like programming languages need to be a little more expressive than that. So maybe just like, you know, it's just like a color thing, right? I like the color yellow because it makes me happy, right? Some people like the color blue because the sky is blue. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I gravitate towards Ruby and I gravitate towards like what's Matt's kind of like philosophy around this. Like this uh -huh. code is supposed to make the programmer more effective and happy and all that stuff. You know, uh, principal, least surprise, all those things. So that, that's why I gravitated towards that because I had a I had a necessity, I had a problem to solve. Right. Like, the utter mess. So I was like, okay, how do I clean up my own mess? I'm like, okay, well, you know, just like most people, don't blame yourself. Let's choose another programming language. Yep. <laughs> right. But that's only part of it, right? And on the company side, how do I gravitate towards like infrastructure? Again, I had a necessity. Like nobody kind of really wanted to do it. We needed to scale the site rapidly. R Rails was. Uh, at that time, kind of unknown how to scale, uh, you know, a little bit. It was deployment for Rails was a little more difficult back in the days. Uh, like yeah. when I started Rails, there's no such thing as Roku, right? There was something called Joint, and they ran Solaire, Solaris as the OS. So it was like uh, a little back in the day. And then thankfully, Engineer came around and kind of saved my 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 butt there. And then they helped me a lot. Uh, and then I learned a lot from kind of just doing that. But yeah, right. I didn't really kind of uh, you know sit there and like think, okay, which era should I go to? However, that being said. I would say that, um, you know, I, people, I guess, do do that. I've noticed this now, hiring a team of engineers. And, you know, they, they kind of get bored with languages and they kind of move over next, right? Mm -hmm. And they, I feel like I don't know if that's always the right reason. Uh, I, I, I like to actually change languages, not because I get bored, 
but because I feel like you can learn a lot of things from other languages right. once you kind of like, because like I said, closures, I learned that from JavaScript and Perl. I didn't learn that from Ruby, right? I learned VSLs from Ruby, right? And, and, and all that. I don't know if you're like me, but when I have a new idea, I probably spend an hour looking for a domain that communicates the right thing to the right people so that they know what I'm about. And that's why I've picked up as a sponsor the .tech domains. And you should definitely check them out. There's never been a domain that's helped represent the tech community so well. Getting a domain that's relevant to your brand that helps encapsulate the ethos of what you're doing is just, it's hard. And the .coms a lot of times are taken up. And so having a .tech is really, really awesome. Now, I have actually picked up devchat.tech. We have a lot of SEO behind devchat.tv, so it probably won't switch, but I wanted that out there so that people can pick it up and know that devchat is about tech. And, and I just, I love the idea. So using a .tech domain was an awesome solution for us. It's short, it's relevant to what we do. It just sticks in people's head. It's a natural fit for anything technology. So if you're a programmer, if you're working on a tech startup or an open source library or things like that, it's definitely a great way to go. In fact, a lot of other companies have actually been moving over to .tech. So CES, which is a conference that I go to every year and uh, go check out all the new technology. They switched over to CES.tech from CESweb.org. Viacom has Viacom.tech to host their tech division. Intel chose Insight.tech for their latest initiative. Startups on a tech domain have raised more than a billion dollars on a .tech domain. So if you want your own .tech domain, go to go.tech slash MRS and use the coupon code MRS.tech and get a one-year tech domain at $9.99 and a five-year .tech domain at $49.99. Now, if you use this coupon code to get a .tech domain, tweet at me at CMAXW and let me know what .tech domain you got so that I can shout it out on Twitter. Uh, I'd really love to see what you're doing with this. And I think it's just a great product. So go check it out at go.tech slash MRS and get this deal today. No, that makes sense. And it's interesting because in a lot of ways, that, that's how I've moved from one thing to another as well. Um, I mean, the only super deliberate move I made, I think, was when I quit contracting and went full-time on the podcast. Um, but, you know, or when, you know, when I changed some of my jobs, but even then I didn't move outside of the technology stack I was in. But yeah, you know, I got into Ruby because we built some infrastructure in Ruby and that wasn't my decision. It was somebody else's decision. And I wound up maintaining it. And then it was like, this is really cool. This is really fun. And yeah, you know, as I've moved into other things, it was just, yeah. I mean, even starting a podcast was not really a deliberated decision as much as it was just, that seems really cool. So I email a guy named Greg Pollock and he says, go for it. And it works out. And so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I really uh, identify with those reasons. Isn't that interesting though? Like if you can go back in time and say, oh, if somebody were to tell me how cool Ruby was, how cool this thing I'm doing right now is, I would so totally do it way earlier, right? Yeah. Instead of just stumbling around like in a dark room, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, totally if somebody like, like, you know, told me to do that earlier, I totally would jump on the boat. But you know how people are. It's like yep. people about to self-discover. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think there's a certain degree of that that people are looking for anyway, that self-discovery or, um, you know, that, that level of self-fulfillment. And so if they, you know, even if they love Ruby, if they're going in and writing the same generic Ruby code every day, they're not going to be happy doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some really, really good Ruby programmers kind of do other languages because the projects that are offered at the company are the same CRUD um, programs. Yep. So. Um, 
I have another question that I usually ask, but I want to ask this first. And the reason is, is because I was talking to some folks at, uh, at, I think it was at one of the podcasting conferences. And I realized that, you know, I kind of capture people's code journey, but I don't know if I really capture who they are. And so I'm kind of curious just in general, like what is life like for uh, Tung Gwen? Oh, right now? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I have three kids, right. Uh, and oh. it's kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, m my wife, uh, works for airlines. So because of that, she's sometimes away for a couple of days. So right. my life is, is interesting in this sense. Um, when she's gone, what I do is, uh, we drop off our kids and thankfully I have like, uh, help around like her mom and my mom are close by and we uh -huh. kind of close together. So we drop off my kids actually for a couple of days and then I can like focus on what offset and kind of my business and, and what I'm doing and or my or my projects and my codes. So basically I get like something that's kind of unheard of in, in nowadays. Like I get like literally like two or three days of sometimes basically my own personal time, which is amazing, right? And my wife super appreciate her for that because you know she she understands like I told her like this is what I kind of want to focus on. So I, I get to do that. And then also at the same time whenever like they're around because I work from home. Uh, my commute is like a raw bed, right? And then, then I, like, I, I put on you know, like a shirt that doesn't smell. So like that's- Yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> exactly, right? So it's like this same deal there. And the, so those are kind of all the positives, right? Like, you know, you get to wake up, you get to work from home, you get to, when my kids are around, I get to be around them, right? I get to always take a break and go see them, which is like the flexibility of schedules is something that I, like, I'm super grateful for. Um, but you know, on the flip side, uh, cabin fever like no other. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just like call I, like people up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Human interaction. How's that going? Right? And and uh, just like there's something about working with uh, other people also because it's like it's just me and my friend right now and uh, what we're doing. And um, there's like when you're working on a team, uh, like you know, going out to lunch and stuff like that, and just socializing all that. That's and you just you also learn. Um, but I, I think it's actually that social aspect, actually, that's actually very, very, uh, nice. Uh, so some, I miss that. Right. So there's right. like pros and cons of, of what I'm doing, but that's kind of hopefully describes a little bit about my, my life. Like it's a little bit of oddball of a life because it's, it's not like the typical, you know, like go to work Monday through Friday. I did that for 10 years, you know, and that was great too. And I, I also for 10 years, I didn't do nine to five. Uh, right. I did, uh, I did, it was actually really odd times, like more was like 1030. Uh, cause, uh, I, I, I could do that and then, uh, stay basically did nothing but management from uh -huh. 10 to five and then went home and coded from six till like 2 AM. So people thought I didn't sleep. Uh, but I actually slept. I just, my, my schedule was a little bit, you know, a little bit shifted because, uh, it just worked a little bit better to, for what I was trying to do. Right. But, uh, yeah. My life now is a little different from the 10 years at the previous company. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I, I, I identify with a lot of that. Um, though my dedicated time is when I travel, not when my wife travels. Cause she, you know, she's here with the kids all day. So, um, for example, next week or this week, so this week is NGConf, which is the Angular conference. And it's funny too, cause a lot of people, you know, they go to the one or two Ruby or Angular or, you know, whatever technology they're in and I'm going to all of the conferences. It's really <laughs> kind of funny, but, um, yeah, so at NGConf, I'm running a podcasting booth, and while people are in there podcasting, I'm just going to be sitting there writing code, right? And so that's my dedicated time. Um, now that one's in Salt Lake City, and uh, funny enough, I'm taking the kids up for the programming track for kids at the conference. 
Oh, so cool. my wife gets a day free for just her, <laughs> right? Um, but the week after that, I'm going to be at Microsoft Build. And they usually line up three or four um, uh, podcast episodes for me there. And then the rest of the time is mine. So again, you know, I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to be writing code, um, you know, heads down writing code for the podcasts um, pretty much the whole time I'm there. That's much respect because for me, uh, I've been only traveling more often recently. And, um, and with the travel, it's, I find it very, like it takes an extreme amount of discipline and focus in order to sit down while you're traveling and, and to get as much as accomplished as, as I can when I kind of like focus in my area at home. Right. Uh, so yeah. much respect for that. Oh, I also get extra sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't have to be down to the conference until this time. Great. And then, you know, with Microsoft build, for example, they stream the keynotes. Oh, so nice. I, um, the first couple of years I went, I went with a few other people I knew. And so I would go and sit through the keynote with them. Yeah. Now I just sit in the hotel room and watch it on my laptop. I feel like that's an experience conference goer trick. I've, I've heard of that for a reinvent too uh, and, and other conferences. Yeah, I'm trying to talk my way into reinvent. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's, it's, a, it's a, a lot of people, right? Uh, yep. Maybe like among, among the herd of people. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to convince them to let me bring my podcasting booth down. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Super cool. Very cool. Well, what are you working on now? Uh, again, mainly bull ops. So uh, I basically do a balance of consultancy work and then the tools. Uh, I'm, I, the tools are, you know, like the, the main tools that it seemed to give me interaction are Jets, Lono, and UFO. And, and those are, are, is, are those actually my favorite tools too. So I kind of worked out. Um, but yeah, just basically a combination of um, sometimes open source and basically client work. Uh, and then just focusing on, on ways to kind of figure out what I'm doing basically with the business. <laughs> right. So uh, I guess the last question I have before we do picks is if people want to find you online, where do they go? Sure. So I have a, a bunch of uh, Twitter accounts now or one, uh, my main Twitter account is Tungaroo. That's T-O-N-G-U-E-R-O-O. -O -O. Uh, I have a LinkedIn too. Um, I, I basically share my posts across LinkedIn and, and, and Twitter. Uh, I also have a YouTube account uh, with uh, very few subscribers. <laughs> so but I enjoy making videos. Uh, so I do a lot of videos in there. So you'll find me uh, online pretty easily. Um, but you know, the funny thing is you said my name earlier, like you, you found a site. Tung Win is actually like John Smith in Vietnamese. So it's going to be very hard if you just type Tung Win by itself. Uh, I think I'm still on the first page. But anyway, uh, you type Tung Win like 80 bus or something, and then, yeah. then you'll find me uh, instead uh, much more easily. Um, but yeah, it's pretty easy to find me uh, on, online. Actually, there's so many Tung Wins that I'm in a Facebook group of Tung Wins. Um, oh, I, really? I like a couple years ago, like I was like, "This is hilarious!" Some guy created a Facebook when with just tongue wins, and there's like 150 of us. So I don't know how big the group is now. That's funny. Yeah, when I was typing in tongue win, because um, you know I just type it into Google, and Google tells me what episode you were on, you know, because it gives the link to the episode. Oh, and it was like it was like tongue win, and then it was like uh, MD DDS, and then like <laughs> a whole bunch of different. Um, a neurosurgeon, a whole bunch of different cities, a whole bunch of different uh, colleges, you know, and Bulltops is right there kind of toward the bottom of the, the autofill list. And my name is like John Smith. That's just yeah. how it goes. Or That's Joe, small. right? Yeah. <laughs> Joe Small. Nice. So uh, do you have some picks for us? Some things you want to shout out about on the show? 
Sure. So uh, I've been teaching my kids how to read uh, on some of my uh, spare time. And um, there's this actually a program that I bought off this guy named Jin Wang. It's called Children Learning Reading. And I thought that was actually really good. He actually covers a lot of theory and his kind of book that he presents. And then uh, it does involve a lot of like parental involvement. Uh, basically, you have to still spend at least five minutes, three or four times a day teaching your kids kind of phonetically how to read. So I've been enjoying doing that. And that would be kind of one of my kind of random picks. I know it's a little bit curveball there, uh, but that would be one of my picks. Another thing actually I've been messing with on the program and we're more, maybe more relevant <laughs> is, uh, is uh, I messed around with Oppo uh, about two years ago and I pick it on and off. But Oppo is a transpiler that transpiles Ruby into JavaScript. And uh, yeah, it, it's something that I'm excited about. And hopefully um, eventually with... Uh, with a, a web, um, web assembly, assembly that you know, it, it, Ruby's actually eventually go also client side. Yeah, uh, Opal's a really cool project. We should get. Um, I can't remember who's behind it, but um, we've we've had them on the show before, and we should definitely do it again. So, yeah, that's a cool project. Yeah, it's a very cool project. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks, but these are all kind of self-serving picks um, in the sense that they're things that I'm working on. Um, one of them is PodWrench. So if you're looking at starting a podcast and building a tool that will allow you to build and manage the podcasts. And the way that I've been pitching it is it's a podcast assembly line. So it essentially sets up all the machines and then you man the machines. So, you know, the editing, the show notes, writing, that kind of thing. You know, you get somebody in. Um, I want to build some social media tools into it, but that's kind of V2 or V3. Um, and the other angle on that is that um, I really want to help podcasters get paid so that podcasts don't go away, especially in the programming space is really where I'm, I just, I love seeing people start new shows, which is funny because people are like, you want more competition? I'm like, heck yes. Um, you know, cause the more awesome shows there are out there, the more help we can put out there for people. So, um, so I've been helping people find sponsorships. So if you have a podcast on programming where you're trying to find sponsorships, um, kind of the tagline of PodWrench is essentially get paid. And then um, I'm, I'm trying to find a nice way of saying it, but I want to help people get paid and then I want to help them use that money to produce their shows, right? So that all they have to do is show up and record. And so I've been telling people, look, just show up and record and then we'll cover everything else. That'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. I think that's kind of like, I don't think it's more competition. I think it's the gas station effect. Uh, there are reasons why gas stations kind of aggregate towards the corner, right? Mm -hmm. And that becomes kind of known as the destination. And then all of a sudden, instead of, uh, you know, halving the, the number of customers, it triples the number of customers. Now. Right. Yeah. Well, what I find is that people generally have enough time to listen to three, four, 10, 15, what, you know, depending on their day or week or weekend or whatever they're doing. Um, you know, they have time to listen to a lot of podcasts. And so the only time that I'm really quote unquote competing is when they don't have enough time to listen to them all and they decide to go in and get rid of some of them. Oh, I see. But even then, it's like, okay, well, if I'm not producing enough content to stay in their top however many, then, you know, that, you know, that, that's fine. They're probably a better fit for the other shows. So, sure. and I also feel like, you know, the, the tide is rising for everybody. And so now is a terrific time to get in and we can really do some awesome stuff for people while we're out there. So, cool. anyway, so I'm working on that. We're also starting an open source sustainability maintainability show. Uh, that has as yet unnamed, but the first episode will be recorded by Friday. So on Friday. So yeah, 
Um, I'm going to be at NGConf, and they're going to be recording that, which is going to be cool. Um, and then I'm looking for people to help host shows on machine learning, um, a bunch of other things. So data science, um, I'm trying to remember, VR, AR, um, Python. I want to start a show on Python. So anyway, if you know people who are interested in any of those, let me know. Um, but I, I, I'll follow you up with some names. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, I've been head, kind of heads down working on that. And then I am working on the podcasting booth, like I mentioned before. So um, if you're going to be out at any of the conferences, I'm trying to work it out so that I can take it to RubyConf. Um, but I haven't actually talked to the um, Ruby Central folks, so I don't, I don't know if they're going to be excited about it or not. Cool. Um, but yeah. So RubyConf, ElixirConf are kind of ones that I'm looking at. Um, OzCon got back to me and told me no. Um, and it, it, it was just something way beyond what they could even comprehend, I think. And so yeah. I think I need to show it off at other places. But yeah, um, and that's been awesome. And I, so I also want to shout out about Buzzsprout because um, those guys have really helped me out. And uh, the way I met them, I was at a podcasting conference, PodFest, walking down the hall, started uh, chatting with the guy about the booth. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I asked him what he did for Buzzsprout. And he says, oh, I'm one of the coders. Oh, I was like, oh. oh, cool. I was like, well, what's your stack? And he's like, well, we're mostly built in Ruby on Rails. I'm like, oh, well, have you heard of Ruby Rogues? And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've been super helpful. And I, you know, I've been talking to uh, Tom over there and Brian and a bunch of the other guys and, and they're terrific. So um, sounds like lots of traveling. <laughs> yeah yeah it's turned into lots of traveling so anyway um if you're going to be in seattle I, I think this comes out after i'll be in seattle okay but yeah if you're going to be at a conference uh let me know and i'll see if i can make it out there um i still kind of want to make it out i was hoping to do chain react which is the react native conference mm -hmm. and um ozcon at the same time but I may just go up for chain react for a couple days so yeah it's nice when you can get two for one and you, yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. But that's up in uh, Portland. So anyway, um, yeah, let me know. And then if I'm out in your area, I'll let you know and we can go grab food together. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Tung. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, we're going to wrap this one up and we will be back next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.